My name is Mary Grace, and you're listening to the Homebody Podcast. Here, we explore embodiment as interstellar beings, practicing how to live more fully as creatures of both the stars and the earth. These spiritually and artfully minded conversations intersect astrology, creative practices, intuition, magic, healing, poetry, and a deep love for the natural world. My hope is to enliven you so we can co-create possible regenerative futures, to encourage you so together we can become dynamic agents of beauty, fully awake with our power intact. Let us be intentional as we approach the creation and caretaking of life, and let's make room for inquiry, sensitivity, and joy. Thank you for listening. Hello, welcome to the episode this week. Today I'm going to cover the astrology for the second half of November, including the upcoming lunar eclipse in Taurus and the sun moving into Sagittarius. So as this episode comes out, we are sitting right in the middle of some of the most challenging astrology of the year, definitely of the month. And I think it is a good moment to bring an apt reminder that it has an end date, that things change, that planets keep on moving. And as we work our way towards the end of this month, we start to experience some of those shifts. So if you want a whole picture for the month, including where we have been and where we're coming from to sort of help set you up for this episode, you can go back and listen to the last forecast episode from a couple weeks ago to contextualize this first couple of weeks. And that episode also includes an energetic forecast and divination as well, which hopefully brings some useful guidance and medicine for this moment, however you're meeting it. So jumping into the astrology, we have Saturday, November 13th, Mercury will oppose Uranus. So we're really picking up where we left off. The last episode kind of left us in the middle of when things are getting really riled up, which is now. (laughs) And right in the middle of these tough planetary transits and the energy, we're kind of meeting back in that tense place. So that said, Mercury, the Sun, and Mars, they've been like a little herd the past few weeks, moving pretty closely together. And they are all currently moving through Scorpio, which is a sign ruled by Mars, with Mars expressing very powerfully with a lot of strength and a lot of dignity. So Scorpio being one of the fixed signs also means that these three planets are facing off Saturn, they're facing off Uranus as they move and they are activating one another in their conflicts and oppositions. And it's definitely not a quiet conflict. So all of that to say, on Saturday, November 13th, Mercury will pass opposite of Uranus. So perhaps recalling the dynamic from the previous week of, you know, delivering this hasty mail through the muddy trenches that is written in code. And then once it is decoded and understood, then there's an intensity to the message or to the purpose or and a surprising development in the news. Monday, November 15th, we have a, a sun square Jupiter moment, which would normally be something really exciting, I think, or something to kind of like look forward to. But the sun is currently in Mars's sign. Jupiter is currently in Saturn's sign. So they're definitely just kind of, it feels like 
a meeting of kings or a meeting of rulers. They're kind of like, what are we going to do about this amidst the chaos? But again, they're in, they're not in places where they are well-resourced to be gracious and generous. It's like trying to have like high tea in a bunker or like deliver some sort of like diplomatic or newspaper worthy offer. There might even maybe even be like an absurdity to the gesture of it or the the supposed regality of it. It could be this attempt to help or to pull things together or perhaps an attempt at generosity even amidst the conflict. But I don't think it holds a lot of like promise as much as it would under other circumstances. It might actually like look kind of funny or like vain, or I think even, what's the word? Pathetic, perhaps even, considering the circumstances. So we'll see how that plays out. On Wednesday, November 17th, Mars will oppose Uranus. So in the previous part of the month, we had Mars showing down Saturn, meeting the barricade, the fortress, the boulders of the plan, and the bureaucratic And this week, Mars is facing off Uranus. So Uranus here can add a haste and excitability, a great volatility, that though they are opposing one another, I think it may be experienced as an overall increase in chaos, accidents, instability, and disruption. We talked in the last forecast episode about Mars's very calculated and controlled expression in Scorpio, and this is meeting the dissent and rebellious nature, revolutionary nature, of Uranus. So Saturn is having to deal with it all, even though Saturn isn't necessarily directly exact in this transit. Saturn is sort of trying to deal with or control or getting hit by the discontented or uproarious nature of Mars meeting Uranus in this way. So what Mars and Uranus have in common at the moment is that they are against Saturn's plan. (laughs) They are against Saturn's restrictions, Saturn's proposed boundaries, I found myself using a lot of epic battle analogies in the previous forecast episode, which feels appropriate. So I'll use another one here. It feels like there used to be rules for fighting and you would fight during the daytime usually and like finish at nighttime. Like the two camps would go back to their opposite sides of the battlefield and like have dinner and get some sleep and like sing a song over the fire and like make a plan for the next day where they'd get up for their, you know, current nine to five, which is like attacking and breaking those rules was really tricksy. And so Mars opposite Uranus is that pretty tricksy moment. <laughs> it's using stealth. It's breaking the rules of engagement. It's using that haste, that stealthy quality, perhaps a lot of fervent energy, breaking the rules of engagement. And Mars is probably doing it really well. And Uranus is probably doing it really big. And Mercury is making sure that we hear about it. It is revolt, overthrow, overturn. This is a really mega revolutionary energy going to have a lot of noise, disturbance, disruption, and likely violence around it. That said, Friday, November 19th, we move into this partial lunar eclipse in Taurus, and as if things weren't already riled up enough. And this eclipse is an eruptive one. (laughs) From the beginning of the year, this was an illumination that I was really not looking forward to. Though I usually live for a full moon in Taurus, but alas, this is definitely not that. Normally, those normal vibes. And 
a lunar eclipse is a full moon that is happening within the range of the nodes. And the nodes are about to change signs. So we're in this window where the eclipses are starting to break up. They have been in Sagittarius and Gemini for the past year and a half, activating those areas with shifts and cycles and change. We will have one more eclipse in Sagittarius in December, and then we are full on in this Scorpio Taurus chapter, which I'll talk more about in a later episode. But for here and now, November 19th, we have a lunar eclipse in Taurus. Uranus is also in Taurus in the same sign, so it's activating that again and some more. Pluto is also lending a hand, so it's set up to be intense, which I think is an understatement. And the eclipse is also happening right on top of a fixed star called Algol. Algol has many names, depending on what language and culture. Arabic refers to it as Ra's al Ghul. The Chinese translation amounts to a really like morbid description of like a pile of corpses. And so there's that. In the sky, it's in the constellation of Perseus, who's like carrying around the head of Medusa. Algol is located in the part that is the head of Medusa. So it gets associated with like wrathful, violent energy. And a little background on Medusa was one time, you know, in the, as myth goes, very beautiful. And the god Poseidon decided to have his way with her because And because this happened in the temple of Athena, Athena decided that there was punishment needed. However, instead of punishing Poseidon, she punished Medusa, the ultimate victim blaming, really, for like, she punished Medusa for having attracted the god's attention by being beautiful. And unfortunately, that is, you know, a story that we all know too well. And when Medusa got smited, smote, smoten, smited. When she got smited, we'll say, by Athena, she was turned, her hair became turned into live serpents. And if you, also, if you looked at her in the eye, then you would get turned into stone. And in Maria Popova's book, Figuring, she talks about it briefly because the sculptor Harriet Hosmer did a sculpture of Medusa. But as opposed to just portraying her as a monster, she portrayed her as she was being transformed. So most of her is still this beautiful woman, but then you start to see her hair is starting to become serpents. And it's kind of that, that liminal moment. I'll post a link, a link to that pic, to the picture of the sculpture and also to the book below. So I think it bears telling in these interpretations that it is to remember that these stories are told through a gaze. <laughs> And, you know, these, the wrathful feminine that is going against really an interpretation of the feminine where there is only value in being polite and being submissive and being beautiful and being cooperative. So sort of like the myths were passed on about Lilith, the moment she becomes powerful or not submissive, she's recorded as demonic or evil and capable only of destruction. And yes, the wrathful feminine or the vengeance might have things to destroy. Maybe things like extraction for the sake of accruing capital at all costs, or saying that you give a shit about climate change and then accelerating fossil fuel production, or like the systems that arrest those who are harmed instead of harming. So to name a few. So it is a feminine power that isn't reliant upon beauty. It is not defined in relationship to the wife or the mother, these more kind, soft, or domestic, domesticated 
portrayals of the feminine that are more comfortable. It's perhaps more akin to Kali's bloodthirstiness and the more she kills and it's the blood all over her, the more of the bloodbath she creates. So there's like a primal kind of feeding on it. And it takes what is already, it's like maximum eclipses are already unpredictable and have a chaotic nature to them. And this just feels like that is maximized, perhaps even adding a stroke of that vengeance or that bloodthirstiness or destruction as an attempt at protection or frustration or thinking of this, like this boiling out, like this hyena screaming. I just keep thinking of like a hyena or something, this kind of like very primal, animalistic, not polite, also not apologetic ferocity. So I think there is definitely some personality to this eclipse. It feels like it could accompany violence or destruction of some kind. And as I said in the last forecast episode, it's not the night to like lay out your rocks and like charge your crystals or like manifest that shit or have a nourishing full moon circle. It's not nourishing energy. It's not nourishing. So personally, I will be staying in the sort of antidote as much as possible during the next month, you know, like keeping my shit clean, tidy, salted, bathed, staying in the benefic, not overexerting, you know, as, as much as within my control, of course, but like staying in the more benefic defense, lay low zone as much as possible. So that is that eclipse. And moving towards the end of November, we start to see some shifts as planets move out of Scorpio. So on Sunday, November 21st, the sun enters Sagittarius. So this means that the sun is leaving the sign of Mars and is entering a sign that's ruled by Jupiter, where there's more space, there's roaming, there's exploration, there's a greater sense of expansion, perhaps even optimism. The sun is leaving the fray of Saturn and Uranus as well, and is entering a terrain that isn't afflicted by that tension or that conflict, perhaps even looking for or finding a shining way through hope, offering a story of the beyond or something that we can make of it or a truth that we can find, a wisdom that we can access in it. Just a few days later on November 24th, Mercury is really close behind the sun. So Mercury will also enter Sagittarius. It's catching up actually with the sun. And in Sagittarius, Mercury is technically in what we call detriment. So less organized, less streamlined, sort of that kind of like runaway story or the story that never ends um, spreading out and the bounty of the big and the beyond sort of taking away Mercury's ability to categorize the small and the precise. So that said, I think it will feel a heck of a lot better than being in its recent tour through Scorpio. And I think the sense of expansion that's available in Sagittarius or even the open-mindedness will help bring the eyes and the ears and the messages up out of the mud and into a, an attempt to collect and organize faith and possibility and perhaps even a sense of, of hope or healing. On Sunday, November 28th, Mercury does catch up to the sun and they conjoin. And before Mercury will then pass on the other side, emerging in the evening position. So this means that Mercury has been and will be invisible and that its work and words are going on in a forward progressive manner, but they're more behind the scenes and perhaps acting through its proximity to leadership rather than acting out or vocalizing on its own or trying to 
get attention or do things directly on its own terms. And that really takes us to the end of the month. There are more, you know, aspects, but these are really the main points and highlights. You definitely get the idea of what's going on. And while the energy does start to clear as we have those planets moving into Sagittarius, Mars is moving past Saturn, moving past Uranus. We have that intense eclipse. The energy does start to shift, or at least the air starts to clear a bit. And so I think that while we'll still be sort of under that eclipse influence or umbrella for the next couple of weeks until December, and we do start to get a sense of a change in tone or a change in chapter or season. I was, I picked three poems for this particular forecast. They feel sort of progressive to me as far as like they can follow each other and take us somewhere when read in a series that may just be me anticipating Mercury and Sagittarius, just we're going to read it all and do it all. (laughs) But I invite you to just go on this little journey with me through three poems. The first poem is called A Small Story About the Sky by Alberto Rios. The fire was so fierce, so red, so gray, so yellow that, along with the land, it burned part of the sky, which stayed black in that corner for years, as if it were night there, even in the daytime. A piece of the sky burnt, and which then could not be counted on, even by the birds. It was a regular fire, terrible. We forget this about fire, terrible and full of pride. It intended to be big, no regular fire. Like so many of us, it intended to be more, and at this time it was. It was not better or worse than any other fire growing up, but this time it was a fire at just the right time and in just the right place. If you think like a fire, a place it could do something big. Its flames reached out with ten thousand pincers, as if the fire were made of beetles and scorpions clawing themselves to get up, pinching the air itself and climbing, so many sharp animals on each other's backs then into the air itself, ten thousand snaps and pinches at least, so that if the sky was made of something, it could not get away this time. Finally the fire caught the sky, which acted like a slow rabbit which had made a miscalculation. It didn't believe this could happen, and so it ran left, right into the thin toothpicks of flames, too fast to pull back. The sky, with all its arms, hands, fingers, fingernails, all of it disappeared. Goodbye. The sky stayed black for several years after. I wanted to tell you this small story about the sky. It's a good one and explains why the sky comes so slowly in the morning. Still unsure of what's here, but the story is not mine. It was written by fire that same small fire that wanted to come home with something of its own to tell, and it did, a small piece of blue in its mouth. The next poem is called Kinship, and it is by Ursula K. Le Guin. Very slowly burning, the big forest tree stands in the slight hollow of the snow melted around it by the mild, long heat of its being and its will to be root, trunk, branch, leaf, and no earth dark, sunlight, wind touch, bird song. Rootless and restless and warm-blooded, we blaze in the flare that blinds us to that slow, tall, fraternal fire of life, as strong now as in the seedling two centuries ago. 
And from the fire to the tree, we move to the trees with this poem by Mary Oliver called When I Am Among the Trees. When I am among the trees, especially the willows and the honey locust, equally the beech and the oaks and the pines, they give off such hints of gladness. I would almost say that they save me, and daily. I am so distant from the hope of myself, in which I have goodness and discernment, and never hurry through the world, but walk slowly, and bow often. Around me the trees stir in their leaves and call out, Stay a while. The light flows from their branches, and they call again. It's simple, they say, and you too have come into the world to do this, to go easy, to be filled with light, and to shine. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a five-star review, subscribe to the show, and share the episode. Check out the links below to learn more about things we talked about and find free resources. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please join us inside of the Homebody Portal, a free online community where you can talk more about the episode, learn with us, and connect with others. Let us be in service to life with courage, creativity, and connection. Thank you for being here. Be well. Peace. Peace.